Welcome to coffeeis.me podcast, where me means you, or more precisely, us. This is the show where your host, Valerian, without using any interrogation techniques, convinces coffee professionals to reveal their secrets to teach and inspire you to make better coffee and earn a few bucks on the side, if that's what you fancy. Let the show begin. Hey guys, welcome to coffees.me podcast. I'm your host Valerian Hrala, saying hi from my bedroom studio in Fairfax, California, which is a little bit north of San Francisco. Thank you for spending your time with us. We appreciate you. This is the second part of the interview with Daniel Smith from First Fruits Specialty Coffee, where Daniel answers your questions about roasting and starting a coffee roasting company. If you want to ask a question, Join our Facebook group coffeeis.me and put your question under the topic we started approximately a month ago. Once you join, you can also ask questions from our community. Since we open the discussions to everyone, we have some great buzz going on. No spam so far, perhaps except a small off-topic post which is gone. So far we discussed naming a company, ideas for a coffee story for a new brand in Chile, what to focus on when buying a used roaster, Melanie Bohem, a listener from Germany, asked our help with her cool coffee research. So things are happening, come and join us. Easiest way to do so is go to coffeeis.me website, click community on the top menu, and that will take you to our Facebook group. So see you there. My challenge to get 50 iTunes reviews by end of this year is still going on, and we finally moved a bit. I included the non-USA reviews too, and so far the podcast got 33 reviews. I still need at least 17 to reward myself with a professional espresso equipment for my home experiment. And reward one of you with a 6-month coffee courses membership worth $600, 3 coffees from Green Plantation, my European uh, Union roasting company, value here is priceless. <laughs> And one mystery coffee, which is most likely will be my coffee for 2016 USA coffee business. Whether the coffee business is going to happen or not, the samples are here and I'm sure you will like them. So you will get the coffee, no worries. Before we go on, let's talk some statistics. So in the last 30 days, the most listeners came from United States, Canada, followed by United Kingdom, Australia, Norway, Germany, South Africa, United Arab Emirates, Denmark, and Netherlands. When it comes to Canada, interestingly, they come second in the listenership, but I did not get a single review from Canada. I was told that on the North American continent, the Canadians are the friendlier ones. <laughs> Obviously, I'm pulling your leg and I'm fishing for reviews from Canada, but I would love also some from Australia, Russia, United Arab Emirates, Latvia, Sweden, and my home is from Slovakia and Hungary. I know you are listening. I'm watching you. So wherever you are on the planet Earth and you think I deserve the espresso setup or you are in it for the big win, leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks. Okay, no ads in this episode. This one is for you. Enjoy. Now I have a few questions I got via our a Facebook group called coffeeis.me. Mm -hmm. And uh, there are a lot of passionate guys who 
are starting or they already started their businesses and they have some questions and they uh, kindly ask me to ask the next guests. So I'm going to do that. How do you convince other roasters to collaborate in sourcing green coffee? Have you ever did that? Have you asked other roasters to uh, buy green coffee together with you? Yeah, um, not from origin, but Mm. from interstate um, green bean importers. Um, I I really think that it's not really much of a convincing because when you go, you know, like you can either pay for all the shipping or we can share that. People will go, oh, okay, let's share it. (laughs) Um, So normally I would share a pallet with with another roaster that I'm I'm friends with here, uh, down here on the Gold Coast. So it was no convincing. You just said, "Hey, let's just do it," and that's what happened. So you just talked yeah. to him. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Because the capacity is there. You know, like um, this guy, you know, isn't going to buy an entire pallet, and I'm not going to buy an entire pallet. Um, and so I was like, "Well, let's just get a pallet, and we can choose what coffee goes onto it separately, and split the shipping cost down the middle, and you know, take our coffees each way." Cool. How many mm-hmm. days per week do you roast, and what is the most number of days we should wait from the time? An order is placed until it is roasted. Okay, um, I guess so. I'm currently roasting twice a week. Um, how I kind of operate is that um, Monday morning, I'll, I'll I'll call my accounts and and ask them what they need for the for the following week. Um, and so Tuesday is roasting day. Um, and so if so, in in that kind of if if it's an order from a cafe, it'll it'll you know it'll be religiously Monday Tuesday delivery. Um, I'll cup it Tuesday morning before I take it out. Um, but I guess the the problem with my coffee is that um it it really needs six to seven days to degas before they can use it. Um, and so they're getting it at day two. So essentially, they have to store a week's worth of coffee. Um. I guess uh, I, I'm kind of doing this because logistically it's it's so much easier for for me for them to store the coffee, but then at the same time it's a you know if if they have a busy week they're going to break into coffee that really isn't meant to be used yet. Um, so to get around that, I actually give them uh, three kilos of last week's roast, so they have three kilos that's ready to use right now, and then hopefully the rest of it won't get broken into until that seven days is up. Um, and because I'm only roasting twice a week as well, um, the the online orders will get roasted on Monday and shipped on Tuesday in the same fashion. That's cool. Uh, we do Tuesday too. I mean, we do Tuesday uh, roasting. So when we send it out, they still get it, you know, until Saturday when the mail mm. kind of like stops work. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, yeah, that's cool. I love that. So some roasters are holding back in teaching because they have to keep a secret. What is your view on this? I mean, if you are a roaster and an educator yourself, are you going to share all that you know? And what are your plans after? Um, yeah, I think I think that this is quite a, a big um, topic where a lot of roasters are very secretive on, on what they do. Um, uh, for me, uh, I'm currently writing an article for the Perfect Daily Grind on, on the basics of coffee roasting. Um, and really, I have no problem with with sharing what I know with other people and roasters, but I guess there's there's a but in that, you know, to an extent. Um, and I think that I would be I would be really reluctant to just give away all of my profiles because I really think that um, that you need to to earn that, you know, that if I'm just gonna, you know, you can't just baby people and, and give them the answer. Like you need to help them to figure it out themselves. And I think that, you know, imagine if 
uh, I'd released all my profiles and everybody just started roasting coffee like that if they thought it was great, um, that how dull the industry would be because everybody was roasting the, you know, the exact same way with all these unimaginative roasters doing the same thing. Um, and because I, I also think that we need to, to be unique, I, I would more than happily teach somebody how to roast and how to figure out that information on their own that, um, like, I really think it is something that needs to be, to be earned, you know, like I've, I've spent a lot of time and a lot of money on, on developing these things. So like in, in the business sense, it would be silly to give away my market edge, but at the same time, I, I love people getting into this industry. So I want to, yeah, I want to teach them how to do it so that they can do it themselves. I, I love that. Uh, that's why I found you through the, through that first article you wrote. And, uh, you know, when it comes to those profiles, there isn't something like universal rose profile or there isn't something like, you know, uh, it's kind of hard to share rose profiles. I'll tell you why. For example, we have this online education, you know, for roasters. And what we teach is how you can adjust the rose profiles and what happens if you adjust them, you know, what are the main, you know, like um, uh, indicators of certain changes and all these core things based on which you can develop your own rose profiles. Of course, we show you the basic rose profiles, which you can do for your samples, but that's, you know, that's the basic one. I get tons of requests from students that, oh, give us the rose profiles, just give us the rose profiles. Yeah. And we were for a long time very reluctant to do that because we're like, no, we're not going to give you rose profiles. It's not because we are lazy, but because yeah. you are the roaster. It's like you are the chef. You have to yeah. decide what you're going to do with that coffee. We're going yeah. to give you the know-how how to do those rose profiles. No, 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 we have to. So <laughs> we are developing now a module where we're going to play with rose profiles. And it's not really giving them the rose profiles, but we're going to play with coffee and creating different rose profiles and telling them, you know... Uh, why we decided to do it this way or what's the advantage mm. of doing it that way. But yeah, those rose profiles, people think that they are easy answers for this, but they aren't. And uh, yeah. that, that's just, it's them. This is basically where they can really put themselves into that coffee. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I, I find with coffee that when, you know, somebody asks a question and, and there's conflicting answers that usually like both of those answers are true. They just apply to different things where, um, I guess, you know, if, if someone, you know, if I do this to this coffee, will that make that good? Um, yes, but if you do it to another coffee, it won't, you know, like there's just so many variables that, you, yeah, you can't just give everybody, you know, the one universal roast profile. I guess in this article, what I've tried to do is just essentially just make a really basic S-curve type of um, uh, roast profile and kind of just explain the different points and then you know, give options like in this point, you can do this. This is what I would do if it was this type of coffee. Um, but um, I guess there's so much information in roasting. It's it's almost like uh, uh, giving a narrative to a book and trying to get you to fill in all the gaps because it's so complex. Um, yeah, I just, uh, I mean, speaking of articles, I just wrote my article for Bootcamp Coffee about the best roast profile, which... You know, uh, my point is that what is the best rose profile? That, you know, it's it's like for depends for who. You know, it's like mm. your customers might prefer you know uh, bright acidic coffee. You know, they might prefer more like muted flavors. It's it's up to you. You know, to decide. There's no best rose profile. There is something what you and your 
uh, crowd likes, and that's what you have to achieve. Yeah. Mm, so yeah. that, that's a, that's that's a very long topic. We can you know go on with Rose Profile because that's also very fascinating, yeah. and I think the coffee industry in the coffee industry is very very popular nowadays. Mm. Okay, there's a great question here. When blending, do you blend by volume or mass? Um, mass. So it's essentially for for me, I um, I I roast uh, my blend components individually, and then I blend mm. my percentages by the roasted weight. Um, so you know that I'll have twenty five percent of this, twenty five percent of that of the roasted weight going into the coffee, into the blend. So you roast them individually. <clears throat> that's mm. that's very cool. That's how you should yeah. do it. Yeah. yeah. What grinder do you use for quality control? Um, um, to be honest, I really rarely have to grind for customers. Um, but I think that I would use an EK forty three. I think that they're they're quite a great you know shop type of grinder. Um, I also think I, I really highly rate uh, this is I guess is in a cafe as a you know when you're making coffee um, with an espresso machine. I really rate the um, the Mythos One grinders from Nova Simonelli. I think that they're fantastic, especially in a, in cafes that go through busy periods and then kind of lulls where the you know the the grinder keeps the the coffee beans heated so that the consistency will be uniform um, throughout the day. Cool. How do you store your green coffee? Um, well, all the coffee I get is in grain pro bags, so really I just keep them elevated off the ground with some airflow going underneath, and you know just keep them still in their sacks in the in the grain pro. Cool. That's what we do. <laughs> <I hope. laughs> all right, Daniel. Thank you so much. This was really awesome. It was awesome to meet you and talk to you about your business, and thank you for all the insights. I'll link to the show notes to your article so people can learn a bit more about you. Mm-hmm. And I hope to see more articles from you. No worries. Thanks for that. Thank you for listening to Coffees.me podcast with Daniel from First Fruit Specialty Coffee. I know this episode was shorter, but I hope you still enjoyed it and I promise to catch up next time. If you want to thank Daniel for sharing yourself or if you have further questions, Join our coffees.me Facebook group and you can do so because he's already there. In the next few episodes, I'll talk to Mike Perry from Clatch Coffee. Mike and his family are in the coffee business from 1993 and they stole multiple coffee awards from us. So it only makes sense that I will interview him so we can catch up. <laughs> talk to you next time. Bye.